Yo, this is episode uh, 50-something of Invite the Neighbors. Um, be hanging out with you, rest, you enjoy life in just a few minutes. Um, some stuff to announce. Uh, in a daydream, we're doing a weekender. Um, at the end of the month, we're doing March 27th in Grand Rapids with Pretoria, Pay with Pesos, and Parking Lot. And we're doing uh, that Saturday, the 28th, in Kalamazoo. I mean, Grand Rapids is at the Diamond House. And then that Saturday, the 28th, in Kalamazoo at the Greenhouse with Now with Real Humans and also Pretoria again. And then I think we're trying to add a Kalamazoo local. So if you're in the area, hit us up for, hit, hit up one of the bands for the address, come out to the show. Um, yeah, U.S. You Joy Life just finished a record. Um, they've been kind of on laying low for a little while, but they're back playing gigs again. And I'm playing a gig with them uh, March 21st at New Way Bar. Um, Pursuer's playing with them. Uh, the Steam 13 people are putting that on. So excited to play New Way Bar again and, and see what kind of Hawaiian shirts the sound guy has this time. Um, also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. Even if you pledge 50 cents a month, a dollar a month, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, um, you know, I really appreciate it. It just, all the money just goes towards putting, keeping the podcast online. So, um, yeah, you know, also just follow the bands that you hear on this podcast, you know, go out to a local show, blah, blah, blah. Um, and share the podcast, rate and review on iTunes. It really, really helps. I mean, I really appreciate everybody listening, but I really want to grow this thing. And any anything you can do to help me with that is greatly appreciated. So thanks for listening. And without further ado, you rest, you enjoy life. Cool. <laughs> All right, go for it. Sweet. Cool. This song is called Operator. outside and I'm running my mouth talking shit on bands I know nothing about because I know you like them and I know you can hear me you stand right beside them but you won't stand right near me I froze over when I tried to break the ice a cold shoulder won't tear me from those eyes broke my glasses but at least I could see through you choking on smoking coughing up lungs and better halves If I could speak with the voice of a scholar If I could sing with the tongue of an angel Then we could get down to brass tacks and squalor Took your touch for granted, but it's getting me right I'm a fool for you But I move too fast Cause love is a language I haven't learned yet Yours is a face that I can't forget I can't stand the truth for my selfish ways I'm nothing more than an empty bottle You can use to ash your cigarette All I've ever known Is how to be alone Took goody breath and I'm standing in line Hoping for a moment that you'll give me your time But I'm running out of things I wish I could say to you in spite of bitter things, I still run away to you I'm six feet under and there's flowers growing over my head I never asked to be a cameraman The winds of winter whisper telling me I'm better off dead I never thought I'd need a helping hand I'm a fool for you 
but I move too fast Cause love is a language I haven't learned yet Yours is a face that I can't forget I can't stand the truth or my selfish ways I'm nothing more than an empty bottle You can use to ash your cigarettes All I've ever known is how to be alone Cause love is a language I haven't learned yet Yours is a face that I can't forget I can't stand the truth Or my selfish ways I'm nothing more than an empty bottle You can use to ash your cigarettes All I've ever known Is how to be alone Thank you. Fire up this motherfucker. <laughs> so where are you guys from? Um, Like where where should I say you're from on the website? Well, because we're all from Farmington Hills at this point. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you could say like, you know, Farmington, Farmington Hills. Yeah. Okay. Have you guys, uh, you guys have been kind of on like a, not a hiatus, but like you haven't been playing shows very much. Like just been in the studio. Yeah, my understanding. we uh, we took a few months off to finish writing the album and to record. Um, so we're uh, starting to get back into gigging. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we uh, we took a few months just to <clears throat> collect ourselves and you know get get the album done. Yeah, were you were you guys playing pretty heavy before that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd say we were probably playing. At least once a week for oh, a while. So dope. Yeah. How long uh, have you guys been a band? What five years now? Are we were approaching five. We were established twenty sixteen, quote unquote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. the The project originally had started out um, with me and uh, one of our other members, David, and uh, we had started out like writing with an acoustic guitar and a cajon in my basement in uh, nice right twenty fifteen, like right when I had started college. <laughs> Um, and it was just kind of a two-piece thing at that point. And then we wrote a couple of demos, recorded in my basement in a day, and then we decided that we wanted to expand a little bit more. And yeah. by work, I don't even know how it happened, but I came across Topher on Facebook, and he and I hadn't talked in probably 15 years. I mean, oh, I, damn. I, should, I should let you know, I've known Topher since preschool. Okay. So I, he and I, after preschool, we didn't really chat too much just because we went to different schools and like, you know, you're in preschool. Preschool like, how, beef. How, how, do you, how do you keep in contact with somebody after preschool? Different like, gangs. We just ran with, with different guy, crowds, you know? man. But yeah, I, I found him on Facebook and it was funny. Like, you know, our, for one of our first conversations was like, oh shoot, you're a drummer and you're, and I'm a guitar player. Like, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. It was like a, you know, meant to be coming back together. So Topher, David, and I were in the band for a while, and then we added Josh, and then at that point was probably when it turned into you rest, was when Josh joined, so 2016, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'd been playing, I've known Andrew since, like, seventh grade, and we'd played in, like, a, handful. a billion different bands yeah. together, 
And we, uh, our claim to fame before you rest was we were in a bluegrass band that played covers and Dope. We played our, we, it was a lot. We of played our school's talent show, um, a bluegrass version of When I Come Around, and we got high <laughs> four. So really, we made more money in that band than we have in this one. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. so sick. <laughs> You guys should have just prepared that version. If I would have known that, I, right. would, I would have been like, "Yeah, you can come on the podcast, but <laughs> you gotta play. You gotta yeah. be as your old band. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta play. Have not played banjo since. Yeah, it's you just played banjo. I played mandolin, and then we had a wash tub bass player, washboard, wash tub bait. What the hell is that? So wash tub bass is you, you know like the old style wash tubs that you see people like yeah. laundry in. Yeah, you flip it over, and then you put an eye hook on the bottom of it. <laughs> And then you Sweet. take a hockey stick and some sailing wire, and you just, it just thumps, and you bend the stick back and forth to change the pitch. All right, it's sort of like a jug band okay. instrument. Like it was, it, my cousin played bluegrass. Kind of sounds like a bluegrass me. sitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my cousin played bluegrass music before and before they could afford an upright bass because upright basses are stupid expensive. Yeah, kind of like two grand or so for a cheap yeah. one. And uh, yeah, so we just decided to kind of DIY make our own. That's fucking yeah. sweet. Dude. We were DIY before we even knew what DIY before was. We, yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, dude. That's sweet. Yeah. I was going to tell you the story of that, that Taylor that you just played on. Yeah, what? So, like, I, I had, like, a quarter-life crisis. Uh, like, one of my buddies passed away, and I I was, like, 22, and I just started freaking out. Like, oh, life is impermanent, you know? And yeah. I was just like, oh, I got to face all my fears. So, I bought a motorcycle. And it was really, really fucking stupid, dude. Like, I had never ridden a motorcycle except for like a Yamaha 80, like a little dirt bike. Right. And then I bought this like Kawasaki Ninja 600. And oh, yeah, that, that's no joke. It's, awesome. it's not a learner bike. And uh, <laughs> no. I like I rode it a few times, you know, went really fast. And then one time I was riding in a it was too cold outside. It was like right around this time of year. And it was like the first nice day. It was basically a, like a carbon copy of today. And I rode it to work and then I got out of work late. So I was working at a restaurant and it was gotten down to like 30 degrees by the time I got out. And I didn't know shit about physics or bikes, apparently. <laughs> and so, like, I drove across the street to like a Walmart parking lot and I went to accelerate in the Walmart parking lot and cold tire, cold pavement don't mix. And it just slid like a motherfucker. And I oh. totaled it going like 15 miles an hour Whoa. in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Damn. I just got, you just got a few, you know, raspberries on me, but like. <laughs> totaled the bike completely but i had just bought it and i had full coverage on it and the insurance paid out like a thousand dollars more than what i paid for the bike so i just took it as a sign from god and i bought that guitar that's (laughs) awesome at the the end of the day i think you made it you made the right call yeah 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 i i never got any girls from the motorcycle (laughs) (laughs) it just it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to Lesson learned by the insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pro coverage. By yeah. the pro coverage. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> right? Have you guys, uh, completely unrelated, but you guys done any touring? Yeah. Um, we've done two uh, shorter tours. We did one with Tequila Deer, um, which was really fun. And then last year we went out with former critics. Oh, word. Um, They're homies. Which They're was great. awesome. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I love those. I love them so much. Great so. band, great people. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Dog love. That's that's my guy. Dog but. Love. Yeah, he was at... Master uh, of the Wah pedal. Yeah. Dude, I call him the Wah master. I literally yeah. call him the Wah like, master. He, like, there are not a lot of people that can make a Wah sound good, I feel like, yeah. personally, but Doug destroys it. Like, he just... Oh. He's got Phenomenal such a distinct style too. Like he I plays know. guitars like up on the neck. Yeah, and he's like got no, no, nobody will have. Okay, 
He's got so much swag, dude. Oh, he like, totally does. He's got the buddy guy strat. Yeah. A fucking the the wah. Yeah. And like this giant bass man amp. Yes. And, and the SG game is impeccable too. It, Didn't you play Doug. through his basement? Yeah, the tour whole too? tour. Doug Dope. was so accommodating because we were trying to figure out how we were gonna fit everything into the van, and Doug was like, Well, you can just use my basement. So it was like nice. Yeah. And they, you know, right. he'd 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 help me like He'd load it up on stage, get it all set up for me, like the whole nine. Like yeah. I was like, Doug, I feel like you're my roadie, but I'm using right. your stuff. Like, I feel <laughs> terrible, but no, it was yeah. awesome. They're I, they're amazing. They're real fun. I played a sh- like I played I don't know maybe three or four shows with them in my last band, which was basically this exact same as band I'm in now, but with a different name. But uh, like we played at the f- uh the Phoenix Five Ten. You guys ever played yeah, there? Yeah. yeah. Well, there was like. It's like a Tuesday night. There's like seven people there. (laughs) It was like, like including the bands, you know? And that night I played the bass man. (laughs) Like, there's like this big empty warehouse. It was like, I told uh, Zari, the guy like runs the place. I don't know if we really need to mic all this, all these amps, you know, I think we can just play and just get out of here. But nope, insisted, mic'd it all up. Sounded great. Oh yeah. You know, sounded great in there, completely empty, but I was just jamming on this giant amplifier to like former critics and like two people playing video games in like the back corner. (laughs) And I carried it up on stage too. Doug's like, Oh, you you need that? I'm like, you need help? I'm like, no, good. (laughs) good. It's actually not as heavy. As you think. No. Well, for the amount of sound that you get out of one of those two, you'd expect it to be a hell of a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. My gosh. Yeah. It's it's a behemoth. Yeah. I, I prob- that's one of my favorite Fender amps, hands down. Oh, yeah. Not to go on a total like nerd. No, we can nerd, do that. Nerding out <laughs> a standpoint. But yeah, no, the basement. Like if you're oh, just if it, like a good pedal platform that gets loud. Yeah. I mean, oh, so my amp, uh, one of them in there, the Blues Deluxe reissue, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Of, there's like a forum dedicated to it. Um, all the mods you can do to it, uh, yep. and there's people that like to take those amps and turn them into like uh, Fender uh, 59 Bassman replicas. Oh, mm-hmm. cool! So like I had Tyler Floyd's dad do a bunch of stuff to that. It's not a Bassman replica, yeah. but like a bunch of the stuff, some of the stuff that would push it towards Bassman are done to it with just like you know a new speaker, That's different so mod. Bad. Yeah, I, I I love gear, dude. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to show you my other amps. So I run two amplifiers. Oh, see, that's yeah. what we're trying to do. We, I can, yeah. I can show you the rig. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. We've yeah. been, we've been talking for like two years. We'll, you know, just get a AB box and just, you know, not just any AB box either. I'll, I'll show you. You want to get this one? Okay, I'm, for sure. But yeah, run stereo. You know, have you know both our amps on either side and just yeah, just huge sound. Yeah, like that, dude, it's so. dope. Well, it's fun because we we both uh, have DD twenties as the main like delay on the. I'd say Ooh, it's probably our main yeah. delay. We both yes. have them on there, and it's cool because you can split it stereo. Yeah. So we were in my basement, and we were playing around with a couple of, like, the. we have some pretty cool delay tracks on the new album, mm-hmm. I like to think. And it's cool. We are panning it between the two speakers. So you kind of feel it going, like, back and forth Love as that. it's playing really yeah. fast. You know, it adds a cool, like, you know, just feel to when you're playing, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. You can, like, recreate that in the studio with auto panning effects. Yeah. yeah. But doing it live is dope. I, I actually don't run stereo because I don't have any stereo pedals. I, it's, it's called a, uh, a wet-dry. So, like, yep. I run all my pedal board into the the blues deluxe and that's like my pedal platform and then i run uh the second amp as i have a a bad cat one by 12 combo amp yeah. that was gutted out so it's just the bad cat speaker which is like a celestian uh vintage 30 copy but it's like Beautiful. upgraded for bad cat specifically yeah and then i have like a little orange tiny terror head or micro terror nice and i have like velcro strap to the back of the bad cat cab but so it's just like this Frankenstein, but like <laughs> I just use that 
so like if I'm playing super heavy delays because I use like heavily modulated delays and reverbs and stuff, yeah. Yeah. you have one amp just playing the clear guitar signal. So you can go. You can still hear everything going yeah, on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it's just great, especially like using like an octave or pedal. Like, yeah. Having it going through the one amp and then you still got your clean signal. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Or yeah. the pitch port. Of the, I'm now, I'm nerding out, but like <laughs> the pitch fork pedal, you know what that is? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. I, I run that on a lot of times 100% wet. Mm-hmm. And if you put it on like one of the harmonies, one amp will be playing 100% of the harmonized guitar, and yeah. then the clean amp will be playing the actual guitar signal. So it sounds like two guitars That's playing. Cool. Yeah, That's it's fucking cool. good idea. Yeah. yeah, I love that pitchfork. I use that thing too much on our first record. Yeah, like, dude, it's, it's it's so fun. It's honestly like the modulations, not the modulations, the um, the tracking I hear is better than the whammy. Mm-hmm. But the whammy, you can just do dives yeah i'm i'm stuff. I'm more i'm a whammy guy he I, rides that whammy I, yeah i I, re- I like my whammy pedal a lot um because josh had the pitchfork and i thought that it was really cool but i liked the ability to be able to have the expression pedal built yeah because you can put an expression pedal on the right. pitchfork but i just for board standpoint i like that but i haven't noticed too much of an issue with the tracking on the whammy but that could also just be because i've been using it for a little bit yeah. so i just kind of been right. used to playing it but maybe know. it wasn't the track because my buddy has a whammy i'm pretty sure but he said so it, Maybe it wasn't the tracking. Maybe it was like the, I think the whammy just sounds like more digital. It, it's a lot yeah. more digital. Okay, yeah. maybe that's it's what definitely it is. a lot yeah. more digital. I think the pitchfork sounds a little bit more, uh, more organic. Yeah, more natural. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I, it's funny. The um, I love the whammy. I mean, on our last record, Andrew has a guitar solo where he used the whammy, like in a way you would use a wah but instead of being a wah it's just all pitch shifting yeah up and down it's gnarly it, it, it's, it's a fun dope. pedal for yeah. that I, I like i like weird pedals a lot like if it yeah you, i have a couple of pedals on my board that are just like one trick ponies oh yeah like i you, you know you spend like 60 bucks on a, on a used pedal but it's like it's got that that charm that you can't get yeah. out of anything else sometimes um, you'll find like i have one song that uses like a behringer tremolo pedal it's like literally brand new is like 40 dollars yeah and I just broke it, and I <laughs> I bought this, like, $125 throne room tremolo pedal, which is way nicer, oh, but yeah. I just can't get it to sound. As good as the Yeah, as as so the I got to go one. find another Behringer one, because it's yeah. just, like, this very specific sound that, like, is on the record. I love the way it sounds yeah. live. Like, I, well, I just and the Behringer pedals are cool, too, because a lot of those are clones of, like, classic boss pedals, too. Are they too. really? Oh, yeah, like, a lot of them. Are, there's, a, there's a great video um, on YouTube. I don't know if it was... Was it? It was a JHS that did it. I think it's one where they compare the Behringer effect line to an actual Boss pedal. Oh, and it's kind of hilarious to see like how close like these vintage like the one that pops into my head is the is the Slow Gear pedal by Boss. It's one of the more sought after pedals, and Behringer has a Slow Gear esque pedal that sounds hmm. exactly the same as this other one. It tracks similar and all that, but you're looking at spending like two hundred dollars for right. like a Slow Gear pedal. Versus like forty bucks for this Behringer pedal, like you're saying. Huh. So I mean, I, I mean, I feel like people totally get lost in the name brand of oh, pedals. Like, yeah. like, oh, I need this. I mean, I love Earthquaker, but like, I need this amazing Earthquaker. Yeah. Blah, blah 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 blah. You know, when it's like you could go and get like an RV five and a delay pedal. Yeah. And get exactly right. what the Avalanche Run does. Yeah. You know, I like certain stuff. I'm really partial to old Blood Noise endeavors. Yeah. Like, they're yeah, the Black Fountain delays on. I love I use that it. thing. Almost oh every song, God. Pursuer, you'll see it's on almost all the time. When I, I miss play mine. Pursuer. I love that thing so much. It's so oh. good, and I want to get the uh, the Dark Star mm-hmm. reverb where you like, you yep. can, like hold it down and play over top of it. Yeah, and it's just so fucking dope. Yeah. yeah, no, their stuff's real cool. Yeah, I would like to get stereo, but I don't know how to wire it. 
Like, I have no idea how to wire stereo shit. That's like, the beauty of YouTube, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I learned how to play guitar off of YouTube. Most of my stuff with pedals I learned how to do off of YouTube. I mean, like, just that it's a beautiful place for. Yeah. The, DIY has gone so much further now just because of YouTube. You know, yeah. like, it's awesome. So you guys clearly are, like, into pedals and, like, different sounds and mm-hmm, things like yeah. that. So on your records, do you use your own pedals and gear? Like, do you try to, like, have it as close to what you do live as possible or do you just kind of go all out in the studio and then just do your best to recreate it we the big thing with us recording is we like to make sure that we can have it be something that we are capable of doing live gotcha so on this at least on the most recent album we used all of our pedals on it we may have cannibalized the board a little bit to go and have it just like work with everything yeah but What's uh up, dog? but other than that i mean it's, it was pretty much just our boards i mean we used a uh what is it a laney Ironheart amp Oh, dope! Mm-hmm. For for our uh, yeah, recording like, this one, and it was awesome. It was great. We had tried going and using a couple of different amps in the live room, and it was just kind of it sounded good, but it didn't have the fullness that we were looking for. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the only thing that was not our gear that we used live was probably the amp that we used for the album. Was mm-hmm. the one that was in the studio already? Okay. I didn't. I don't think we actually used any of my rig. I think all the pedals we used were all yours or Mark's. <laughs> I have too many. <laughs> I have way too many. I got um, a problem. I think Wit, dude. Wit Feinberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember yeah. when someone says they have too many pedals. I'm just like, go talk to Wit, dude. He's got like <laughs> he's got fi- like file cabinets in his house probably of just like pedals. I had a but, shelf for a minute. I mean I've I've liquidated a lot of stuff because I'm trying to get down to like what I want. Hit me up like if you're the, trying to sell some shit. <laughs> I will I dude, I will let you know. I got a list. I mean it's you know, you figure out, you, you do this for a little while, you ex, you experiment with pedals and guitars and stuff like that, and you yeah. kind of are able to narrow in what you want. So when yeah. you have all the extra stuff, it's cool to have the options, but if it's sitting there getting neglected, it's like, you know, somebody else could be using this. Right. I need it sitting on my shelf if I'm not using it. Right, right, right. Pedal abuse, dude. For Oh, for real. Like, I just found a way, like, I'm glad I joined Pursuer because before I wasn't using all my pedals, but with pursuer it's like i don't have to worry about singing really at all so i can yeah. fuck around way more and mm-hmm. now i finally use have a set where i play all the pedals well and that's and that's the thing for me like i i love tap dancing on my board like people will give <laughs> people will give me crap for going and having a big board and i'm like well i like going and just having it be like a whole other aspect of needing to go figure out what button you need to click on everything but as a yeah. vocalist it is definitely hard to go and be like i gotta turn on my gain and my reverb and my delay all in one swoop i mean they yeah. have those they have those um I think it's a loop switcher pedal. Like yeah. I have it programmed where it'll activate all, all those things. But that's like, you know, four or 500 bucks for that. I'm like, man, I, I, there's so yeah. much other fun I things legs. I can get with that. I got legs, man. <laughs> like, it's good. <laughs> Even then, like, you know, I'm not, they're clearly, they're awesome. I think Gig Rig makes really good ones where they're you can really like hardwire yeah. them into the board kind of thing. Um, but then even then you still have to decide like exactly what you want the loops to be. Completely. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, I, I like, I mean, this is just laziness, I suppose, but I, laziness as in like i don't set exactly how each part is going to be like every single time so it's like i kind of just like when i'm playing live i don't really plan it out that much and i just like sometimes i'll use this drive sometimes i'll use this drive sometimes i'll use this delay or this delay depends on the evening change the flavor up yeah yeah and like if i had a uh a gig rig thing i would feel like i paid so much for it i have to use it right exactly what would you say your desert island pedal is like if you're stuck if you're stuck you got an amp a guitar and a pedal what are the three things oh shit okay um probably a carbon copy delay beautiful great choice the the pinnacle analog delay if you're looking yeah that's awesome because like you can you can get the cleans and the drives from the amp yep and then with the delay you can do so much you can do actual delay you can get like a reverb sound with it right yeah that would 
that would be it. Heck yeah. Literally half of our last album was just made by riffing with the carbon copy. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. What's well, so fun going and messing with like the weird, like, uh, I mean, I guess it's just the delay modulation where you twist the knobs on. I guess these weird, like, squealing yeah. effects. Yeah. The and oscillation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oscillation. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, so like on the record I'm making with uh, Nick Diener, we were just fucking around one day and um, spending a lot of, too much time just getting weird sounds. But, I have like an oscillation part at the very beginning of the record that uh, is me with the carbon copy and the black fountain delay on at the same time and like trying to like dual oscillate them. Oh my God. So they're like, it sounds like one delay. Yeah. Because it's like kind of like. You got the two textures from the different delays. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds just like, it sounds like a car like driving down the road and like, like off in the distance sort of thing. It's just, it's really fucking cool. That's real cool. So as a drummer, do you get bored with this shit? (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely used to it. Yeah. Of being in a band with these two guys. He's a trooper. He's definitely a trooper. He just puts up with it. (laughs) We love him for it. Well, you know, and it kind of rubs off, but obviously I don't play guitar, so. Oh, okay. I'd become a gear nerd for my own stuff, but there are more guitarists out there. Are you like, when it comes to drums, are you like pretty straightforward or do you have like a very particular set? I've met multiple types of drummers some of them they'll play any kit and then some of them are like they have to have like their setup i definitely prefer to to play my setup if i can yeah but like sometimes for live shows it's not really plausible for me to yeah to bring my own my you know all my shells and all my symbols and hardware because we don't we don't have 15 20 minutes to set up right so right um i really don't have a problem playing um you know backline kits but if i do have the, the opportunity to i like to play my kit because i've, I've kind of you know out, kind of like what andrew mm-hmm. was saying you know after playing in this band for a while i've kind of done you know decided what symbols fit the music best, mm-hmm. kind of and when it comes to when it comes to my drums i'm kind of you know i don't really need a lot yeah so did you record with your kit um not the current one i just bought a, a, a oh, new nice. one uh, and the one i used was uh it was one of the kits that uh, right on studios that he okay. had there it was a uh, yamaha tour custom oh it, it sounded that's, good my buddy brad has that like mm-hmm. when the original in a daydream back in the day was like me and my buddy brad and he played a yamaha tour custom yeah it was uh black with like orange racing stripes or something like that awesome. the one was very yeah. similar yeah, 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 yeah i think it may have been yeah. black and orange yeah mm-hmm. yeah but um i mean mark already had uh i mean that was mark's kit so he had experience mixing it and yeah he was yeah. able to pull a great sound from it so, it I sounds mean, so good. yeah i mean I'm, i wasn't really concerned about whose kit it was it right just that it sounded that good right right know? because you know at least for shells you can you can have a little bit more variation like you know not many people mm-hmm. live are going to be like that that's maple? only seven ply maple. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, they were using eight ply on the record. <laughs> no, no one's, no one's listening. To right. That. I mean, I can't tell the difference between right. seven and eight ply. Well, especially now with like the sampling technology and the triggering technology, mm-hmm. like yeah. you just sample actual drums. Like you get a recording of an actual drum. Well, so like if you have a, like a, a shitty take of like a kick drum or something, it's you're not getting an electronic sound. You're getting an actual kick drum. Yeah. yeah. But it just it might be just a Frankenstein kit that you put together right but i would feel weird about that yeah if i was the, if i was the guitar player it's i always want to play like i don't want to use amp modelers no, you know what i mean i feel like thing. yeah yeah but i'm not a drummer so i'm like liberally in the studio saying oh yeah if the bass drum doesn't sound good you just you just swap it out for a trigger you know <laughs> <laughs> well we 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 had a few remedies for that so we made samples of the drums while we were in the studio oh okay um 
you know, that way if I wanted to, or, you know, Mark and I, or we wanted to yeah. insert another kick drum somewhere to like fill out a fill yeah. or something, then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be just a, you know, something you drag, you know, drag and drop off yeah. of a plugin page, you know, it's right. Yeah, it's a little kit. bit more body and add right. a sample of the kick drum. I didn't um, know you then, did that. Yeah. That that's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's different symbols and different symbol velocities and drums oh my and drum God. velocities. I mean, it's a little over the top. We didn't end up, you know, going into huge detail with it. Right. right. The only sample we did use was on the snare and it was, um, was part of the, uh, Get Good Drums P4 Matt Halpern pack. It was a little bit of his. To- to- <laughs> Topher's favorite drummer is Matt Halpern. Thank who, you for pointing. Who, who's out. that? <laughs> so Matt I don't Halpern. know a lot of drummers by name. No, it's okay. So Matt Halpern is the he's, he's the drummer for Periphery. Oh, okay, dude. I think I'm. Are they playing with uh, DGD coming up? Uh, they yeah, did. Oh, with Circus Survive. Oh, maybe maybe they're doing it again. I know they did in the past. Okay, so I'm a huge Dance Gavin Dance fan, yeah. and I, I saw that they were on a tour with them. But there were not there were like no no samples used on anything else though like the toms and the kick and this and the uh, the, the symbols on the record the rest of it was cool. all was all natural and Mark's very very talented so he pulled a great song. Hi, highly recommend yeah, yeah. Mark yeah. Stewart at Radon like he where's that at that is in Kego Harbor Michigan okay so if you like Orchard Lake is a road but little do people know it's also a lake there's actually a lake <laughs> called Orchard yeah. Lake yeah um and it's it's right out there and uh, like Pontiac sort of area yeah it's right yeah. out that way yeah and uh, yeah he was. Like point, phenomenal like as to if work that's with. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he worked on Annie Ghost's new new record, and he oh does, okay, he does yeah. a lot of work for other bands too. So. Yeah, no, he's we could not have asked for a better engineer. I mean, he wasn't even just an engineer. I mean, he fully took the producer reins on it. I mean, he to, he totally helped us trim the fat, and even with like arrangements, you know, talk like, about somebody who cares about a project. That yeah, yeah. On. like it's cool to have a producer come in and be like, oh, like. He treated this band like it was his own. Right, like, that's that, cool. was, that was really, was really cool. cool. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was a big part of the reason it took as long as it did because he cared about what we were doing. Exactly, yeah. and you know, you know, a, I mean, we we rewrote so much of it with him. Mm, okay, uh, which was cool. You know, we weren't intending on doing that, and you know, I mean, he'd be like, "Yeah, what if you tried this instead?" Or you don't need six choruses plus three bridges plus this and that. It's good you know? that you guys are open to that. I exactly. Like. Yeah. yeah, and um. But then, yeah, I mean, he also, he demands perfection, too. He's yeah. like, you know, if you've been, you know, screaming into a microphone for two hours and you can't talk, he's like, no, we're just starting. Like, we just started. Like, right. we're finally getting it to sound good. Keep going. Right. So, yeah. He's, Very motivational. Guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's he's exhausting to work with, but, like, in the best way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, hmm. Because all of that sounds like I wouldn't want to work with him. But <laughs> no, but, but hear me out though, because it's just like I'm a very particular type. Yeah. And I feel like that would be great for a band who like would want that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think I have the perfect sort of setup for me with, uh, well, I'm kind of splitting between Nick Diener and Tyler Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, with Tyler, both of them are, this kind of describes both of them though. Like, they'll like let you decide how much you want them involved. Right. sort of thing where so like with nick i told him like i'm very producer minded you know like i i'm, I'm gonna come in basically with ideas fully fleshed out mm-hmm. for how i want it structurally how i want the tones to be and like <clears throat> and i told him like i want you your role to be like creating the sounds that i'm describing to you mm-hmm. basically and what he's been great at yeah and then you know at certain times he'll interject and be like you know what if uh like just for, just for tone things like yeah. what if we tried this you know and he'll get excited and like or sometimes he'll just be like we're gonna try this yeah. i'll be like hell yeah. yeah but like i i wonder sometimes if 
I had asked him to take more of a production role if the structure of the songs would have changed. Yeah. But I'm just so particular about because they're structured really weird they're atypical and, and that's and that's totally fine yeah um, yeah I yeah mean, we we kind of we kind of took the tack that um especially with like the year that we had had previously going up to getting into this in the studio yeah uh, it was a, a lot going on um you know kind of some ups and ups and downs so we we had we had been sitting on a lot of these you know, songs for a while and we were we were kind of at a, at a point with the with a few of them where we didn't really you know nowhere else to go with them yeah so we kind of needed somebody who wasn't and you know i'm sure if we had told mark hey we you know we're kind of set on these things yes. yeah don't worry about you know critiquing those then he would have been like totally fine yeah um, right but i mean totally you know to your to your point like you know it, I, I guess it's kind of particular because there is something like you, you don't want to fall in the trap of like if the producer takes too heavy a role you know sometimes they might suggest something Mm -hmm. and because of the dynamic like they're the producer you're the band you might be inclined to just say yes in the moment right because they got the credibility yeah with the bands and everything right but you know if you would have given it two weeks or something you might be like huh you know i kind of wish we would have done it the way we've done it originally yeah you know what i mean so there's there's definitely a give and take oh absolutely it's it's about the balance with it too you know like and that that was the beauty of it like mark mark is very open to suggesting things but he also understands that it, it's our project at the end of the day yeah you know, like he he doesn't want to go put out because obviously like his label is going to be the one that you're not his label his studio is the one that we're doing it at. he's right. going to say we're going to say that we did it at this studio yeah he wants to make sure that it's something good coming out right of it. right um but he also doesn't want to have it be you know the mark stewart project right and everybody's very you know everybody's got very different um, ideas for their for their projects yeah right so, right you know. yeah um yeah i mean it was funny you know like we the last two records we did before this one, it was very much just like, yeah, we're going in and the engineer is just pressing the space bar to record yeah, it yeah. and that's it, which was cool, you know? Um, and then we, you know, started working with Mark and at first it was a little, I was like, who's this guy saying like, yo, this sucks, yeah, like, let's yeah. try this. It's like, what the hell, man? But then, you know, as we started working with him more, it was like, you know, I mean, he, he knows what he's talking about because once you... Right. Once you, you know, butt heads about it for a little bit and you're like, all right, we'll try it just for kicks. And then you play it back. You're like, wow, that's actually. You let the ego go for a sec. Exactly. Yeah. Which was hard to overcome, at least for me. I don't want to speak for these guys, but, you know, for. Well, well especially with us going and ha- we, we've had the two albums and everything done and we've been playing with each other for a little bit. You know, like we, we have a general idea of what we're going for. Um, so j- just the fact of having like another another input on it made it very interesting. So. Yeah, I got you. Oh, thanks. Pardon me a second. Got to stay hydrated. Yeah. yeah. Please drink the water. But no, I, I think um point I was going to make is like a lot of times you see bands like that are good, but they break through when they, you know, like I'll give the example. I was just talking to my roommate Carl about it. Foxing is like a good example yeah. where like they had two records that were pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, but like near my god is when they got onto triple crown records and they might have gotten on before that but basically they went worked with a bigger producer Mm -hmm. and it was when the producer really pushed them like you guys are good but like you guys could make a classic album here like you know and like really you know forced them into doing things that they didn't want to do originally and like you know the band i've read articles like the band clashed Mm -hmm. buttheads writing that record way more than the the previous ones but i think the result is like 
a much better album. Very oh, yeah. good album. I love it's that. It's so album. good. It's dude. their best, honestly. Yeah. It's and, phenomenal. And you listen to like interviews and stuff, like they all disagree on like what are the strongest points of the record, which yeah. I think is a sign of a good record. Yeah, yeah. you know, absolutely. It's mean, it, it means it's very co- cohesive. Everybody had a had a had a point on that on that record where they can say that you know, like I really felt like this was the best this was the best direction, and that's what we decided to go with. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's and I'm sure that they're you know while they did butt heads, I'm sure that there's 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 not really a point on that record or they would have let it get to a point on that record where they're like very disappointed or right one one person is very in you know disappointed on what yeah like what the guitar tone was right yeah. right right so that kind of leads me to the question like when you guys write together do you what what's the process like do you have one person that kind of writes things or do you is it yeah. like fully collaborative or how does that dynamic work um so, I mean, usually Andrew or myself will come with the skeleton of a song, you know, mm-hmm. chords, lyrics, melodies. Um, and then from there, and you know, sometimes there, you know, it'll be a little more put together than others. But then from yeah. there, you know, we all come together and build upon it. Um, you know, and sometimes like in the case of the song Black Coffee, um, nothing about that song changed except we just turned it into a full band song. But uh, what I mean, what the song was at its core is what it is now, minus, you know, having the full band. Uh, but then there's another song on that last record, which is like this seven minute long <laughs> whole thing. And yeah, I mean, that started off with, you know, myself just writing a verse and some lyrics. But then Topher came in with a chorus and, you know, he came in with this and that. So it kind of depends on the song, you know, the okay. amount of collaboration, I guess, and how much input each person gets. And do you guys when you write a record or just when you write a song in general, do you like have a, like, do you have like a mission statement in a sense of like, you want to, you're going for this sort of feel or do you just kind of let it play out? Well, it's, it's cool because um, when Josh and Andrew do generally, because it's, it's hard to write ideas on drums, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, which, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say something about that in, in a second, but when they, when they, when they bring something to the, to the table, typically, you know, there's, there's already some sort of vibe already established and, um, and it, and it's, and it's not like, you know, an, un, an unchangeable thing, but it's like, okay, so this is a slightly more melancholic song or like, okay, so this is a band, like, this is a pop punk, like yeah. we're in your face. Like there's a, there's a pit forming and someone's getting a bloody nose. Like, <laughs> um, we don't really have moments like that too much, but we're, you know, we have, we have, we have instances, but what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, um, I mean, generally, generally when they, when they bring the tracks separately then there was a vibe established but in the in the past we had jammed a lot because we Mm -hmm. used to um we used to write in my dad's basement um Mm -hmm. and that was like for a for like two or three years that was kind of our place where we just wrote and everything and honestly a lot of the music that we wrote was just like we would get down there and be like all right it's been like several days since we jammed like let's just start doing something and see what see what see what happens yeah yeah a lot of stuff has come from that actually just just mm-hmm. just jamming and kind of seeing what happens between the three of us so yeah totally it's you know it's kind of a kind of a balance between the two and i think that there should be yeah absolutely like in my in my past like the songs when i first started writing songs they always i never wrote a song just like alone you mm-hmm. know it was always me and a drummer and like the drumming would inform the guitar playing and vice versa you know it always start with like a riff you know yeah. but usually it start from a jam which like the drummer might be playing something and then I would come in on something which would lead to a riff I played that then we use that riff to start writing a song. And it's like, 
once I stopped writing with that particular drummer, like uh, there's a long period of just me not playing with anybody. And then like, I had to learn how to write songs and just imagine drums and mm-hmm. learn how to like have a fully realized song in my head, but it's only guitar. And then to like, it's, it sucks. It's, it's difficult because I'm not a drummer, but like I have a clear idea of what I want the drums to do. So yeah. it's, it's like finding a way to, like communicate with a drummer that lets them write their parts but also like there's obviously times where i'm like no no no, don't do that <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean and it's like it's, it can be difficult at times like do you guys ever feel like the parts that like each other write where you, you find any times where you're just like uh eh, you try something else like do you have a pretty like open communication with that or i'd say i'd say so yeah i mean um for example, you know, there might be a song, um, I, you know, nothing I can think of in particular, but yeah, you know, it's say I have an idea for, you know, a riff or, you know, a verse with some melodies and, you know, these guys are like, you know, it's cool, but, you know, I'm just not really digging it. Like, right. let's, let's take this in a different direction. So I guess to answer your question, yeah. Um, we're all very, I feel open like you to need feedback, that back, you know, like, yeah, that's yeah. The thing. like, we're all very like there's no hard feelings with anything said, you know, like, so if I, if I play a part that I might like, for example, there was one song that we had had that we were working on where there was this really fun tapping guitar solo that I really enjoyed doing, but it just didn't, it it worked, but it didn't really add too much to the song necessarily. And even though it's like, yeah, I really enjoy playing that it's for the sake of the unit. It's like, okay, like we care more about the final product than we do like your own thing that you're doing. It doesn't matter if I have another guitar solo, if the song doesn't sound good, right? you know, you can always just bank that part too. Like use it for something else. Yeah. There's so many instances on this record where we just, I guess, appropriated, you know, verses or riffs or like entire hooks from other songs yeah it's for the better and that we've been sitting on for a while i I think that what one of the songs on on the album i think we've had for for probably a good like two or three years for jack which is the the second song yeah second song that we've had we've had that song since as long as the band's been around we just could never get it together enough until recently okay so so is this record that you're putting out is it a full length or ep in the middle i mean it's yeah. like seven songs okay so. the best way that i could describe it as personally i feel like that it is an ep that feels like an lp when I, you when you listen yeah. to it yeah you're gonna it feels like it's an lp mm-hmm. but it technically with like i think the like the song limit yeah. it's technically an ep it, it's te- it's about 30 minutes in runtime so it's a full know. length technically it's a, full it's a joyce length. manor full length yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> i guess i guess for us because we've we've had a few seven minute tracks in the past we kind of yeah. figure that a full length would be closer to 45 at some point but i got you i mean it definitely that's a good point too. Like, depends on the band whether it's a full length. Yeah, yeah, right. And and actually to that to that point, like, it helps that we don't really have a an an idea of that we're this like we are this kind of band, and that yeah that, that helps with the with the writing process and mm-hmm. bringing ideas to the table because we're 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 very open open minded. We're kind of like that sounds cool. Like, how can we use that? Not yeah. not like is it right? Like, is it our is it our style? Like, yeah. Do we really have a style? Right. Like. Do we do? Are we doing this for fun and trying to make some cool ass music, or like, are we? Right, are right, we right. trying to be a rip off band of some other band that's out there? Like, right. right. No, I fully get that, dude. We're. Uh, I feel like we're kind of a funny band because we say like, like everything we set out to do never happens. Like, <laughs> like for example, you know, we're we're talking for you know originally this record was gonna be like 
a third, like a thirty song, like concept record double oh, LP sweet and, with oh. like a like a Jesus of Suburbia esque suite <laughs> and like about like being in outer space and like there, there are some big dreams, shit. big yeah. dreams. Damn, and then the, and then the mushrooms were off. Right, and it's like, wait a minute, reality. <laughs> right, on, and you know? I mean maybe that'll happen. You know, I'd I'd like yeah. to. I'd love yeah. to do a Pink Floyd esque, you know, yeah. big concept record. But there's some good. I mean, they can be hit or miss, but yeah. like, they totally depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. Because there's some that will just knock your socks up, and then it's like, man, I'm still listening to this. <laughs> yeah, you know? like my favorites are like. Um, like Closure Moscow, Pink Lemonade. If you ever yes, that. that's one where it doesn't really feel like a concept yeah. record unless you know, right? You know, I've what literally I mean? never met anyone else who knows that band. So. I love Closure awesome. Moscow, Moscow, dude. Dope. You know Closure Moscow? Why are we not talking? I, I only about know that? the one. There, there's like one record. I don't think it's First Temple is really First Temple's good. good. Yeah, Kissing Cousins. That's dude. My, shit. my buddy has. Uh, he sent it to me because he's a saint. But like, he downloaded the uh, the full PDF of like the all all of First Temple the tabs. Oh, that's nice. sweet. Yeah, nice. yeah. So I got it on my computer. Was, they're cool. They're really yeah. cool. I like that. See them live twice. They fucking slay. Oh yeah. And they're they're recording their third record. Oh right nice. Too. I didn't know yeah. that. I want to talk about a concept album? Talk about Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, band. that's the whole. Their yeah. whole band is a concept. <laughs> the Deer Hunter too. The Deer yeah. Hunter is like one of my biggest musical influences. Dude, like the theatrics Deer of it. Yeah. I love that shit. Even my chem, you know. It's yeah. Like they've done so many concept records at this point. It's like. Yeah, I can't imagine them not doing one. Now they're playing LCA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. okay, I'll be there. <laughs> really <laughs> lucky, yeah. Dope. man. I can't afford that. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to go, but I mean, I've seen My Chemical Romance live. Mm-hmm. They're Lo- they're like a band, like the energy. I'm gonna say this: Broadway is not a good live singer. Okay, like he's cool. <laughs> he's a good front man. Yeah, yeah. His voice does not sound like great live. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the type of voice where it sounds great on a record. Yeah, and it's not that seeing them bad live is bad it's that like it's more about like the energy that he brings yeah so i feel like did you get like floor tickets no we're like in the like the nosebleeds of the nose oh okay (laughs) i mean it could still very well be really good i just i would want to see them like up close and like be in experience the energy of it absolutely but granted i saw them at warp tour like 2005 right when like three cheers had just come out so yeah that's fun that was an epic warp tour that's fallout boy and like my Chemical Romance, like so, uh, so many good bands. Shit, Under Oath, Sayosin, yeah. <laughs> I'm an old man, but that's um, fine. but yeah, I just no no hate the drug way. Yeah, like Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, I still listen to like all the time. Yeah, I, it's it classic. Rolls. A lot a lot of people like jumped on the bandwagon after Black Parade, mm-hmm. which is right after that is where I kind of jumped off. I didn't really listen to, like the Killjoys stuff. Yeah, I can't remember what we were talking about right before this. Oh yeah, yeah. So just like the whole idea of like just like theatrics, like yeah. the concepts are really cool. Like I, I'm excited to listen to your shit because literally when you said like an EP that feels like an LP, that's exactly what I'm making right now. Cool. Like yeah. it's it's not quite as long, but it's like five songs, four of which are you know full songs, and then there's like a weird interlude that that's technically a full song, but most of my songs are like five and a half minutes long so the nice. interlude being three minutes feels like an interlude to me <laughs> yeah, yeah. we recorded on like a tape deck player that uh tanner ellis yeah recorded for cool, me. Yeah. yeah i have like intros and like spoken word like interludes i, I love like making it feel like a, a piece like yeah a, you know what i mean yeah. so you guys use any like intros and you know what I, like I mean, yeah Weird um, little field recordings or things like that. On our first record, yes. Um, our first record is when like we really tried kind of approaching like the concept thing. I think it was yeah. more like musically than lyrically. Okay. Um, you know, there was a lot of like 
light motifs and uh, stuff like that within, you know, mm-hmm. riffs or melodies. Um, Bringing back riffs in a way? Yeah. That's pretty, dope. Yeah. And, um, and like, the the first song and the last song both have, like, you know, some of the same, you know, you know, riffs or anything like that. And I love, we, I'm a sucker for that shit. Yeah. And we, uh, we, yeah. we opened the record with this like ambient kind of thing. And it's like half of a poem. And then we closed it with ambient thing. And it's the other half of the poem. That's cool. So, is it a poem that you wrote or is it like from like, no, we, uh, we were trying to do like the outer space thing. So we just found this poem online Word. and then we, um, you know, the band merchant ships, Mm-mm. We uh have, have you heard of like Jack Snuff? Like Boy Jack Snuff, okay. like the September. 9th. Oh, Jack Snuff. Yeah. yeah, heard the name. I, yeah, you know. we we got him to uh, do the read this poem for us that we found online oh, called dope. High Flight. So it, it was fun. It was a cool time. And what wasn't it something with like High Flight? It was about like a guy who had flown up. He had like flown in an airplane or something, and then the airplane had died, and he was falling back down or something, something like that. And then you uh. re, and then the engines re kicked up or something like that, and he was able to land the plane safely. And then he came down and he wrote this poem right yeah. afterwards, something like that. that, that yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's what the story was. Send me that, dude. I'm yeah. gonna read that shit. So that and that was pretty cool. Like you know, like like they were saying with going with the space theme, like something flying, like yeah. you know, going up and up into the deep blue and everything. Yeah. You know, like cool. I I I like like taking other people's art and kind of like uh doing a little homages to it yeah, with my music absolutely. you know like the whether it's lyrics or song titles or like album titles or little you know little spoken word like i'll literally like watch a movie and i'll have my microphone going and if mm-hmm. i like well, if i like a quote i'll just like rewind it and record it and yeah, like have that and like whatever insert. influences you man yeah, yeah for real yeah. the amount of times that like i've you know when writing something you know just you know Listening to, you know, watching a movie and, you know, they say a quote or listening to a song and mishearing a lyric. Yeah. Or even just having a conversation with someone and they say something cool. I write it down. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, you, you got to write down everything. Yeah, I got notes, notes apps. The notes app on my phone. It's a blessing. It makes hey, it so, noise, yeah. Notes and, vo- and a voice memos. Yeah. yeah. Two most used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, the, the record I'm making is just full. Like, every song title is like a... a and a nod to either like a book or like yeah. a movie or something like Very that. Cool. Just little, little Easter eggs mm. all over the place that like, I can't wait to put it out so that I can find someone to interview me so that <laughs> right, I can actually yeah. talk about all this shit. Right. But, um, I'm definitely the kind of listener that would prefer instead of making playlists to just sit down and start listening to an album, listen yeah. to it all the way through. You hear the story front to back. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, there are, there is definitely a time and place for, for playlists, you know, when maybe when you got more, more people over and it's they put really a single out, you know, listening I mean. party, you know, but like, if uh if I'm gonna if I'm gonna like drive in my in my car to work, I've got 25, 30, 30 minutes. I'll listen to like a few tracks off of a record, one in a, one in a row. Or I mean, yeah, and everybody and everybody's different. But I mean, I definitely prefer the albums where it's like yeah, like because then you can kind of with the albums you can kind of decide if there's an idea behind the album. Yeah, yeah. and then you can use the songs to kind of portray that. You know, it's. It's yeah. it's kind of like the way the art form like uh, originated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, oh yeah. You know, I mean, how many times has this conversation been had with like weed being passed around? But like <laughs> you know, like before like the digital age, like you know, people put out records and that's yeah. all you could listen to. It's like you had to. You can't rewind or fast forward a record. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And like some of my favorite, the friends that I generally like, Carl and I listen to music a lot together, just on Spotify. But like yeah. my some of my favorite people to listen to music with are my my buddy matt and ben because they both just have record players yeah. and we sit around and i understand the 
the whole thing because it's like I, I'm the same way. Like I love just listening to a record front to back. And when I make a record, I try to think about it. I try, I'm making it for the people who are going to be listening front mm-hmm. to back. And yeah. like I'm putting out a single, I'm going to put out a single before I put out the record. I mean, that's what you do. Right. But yeah. um, the single edit is going to be different than like the record. Like, so on the record, it'll have like an intro into it and it'll have like different things that make it slightly different. Yeah. Like you won't than the get the same. Version. Yeah. Yeah. You won't yeah, get the cool. same experience. Um, Yeah. What was I going to say? So do you guys have a release date? That's the question. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we're like 99.9999% done with the recording. We basically just got to like record a piano part. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's being mixed. And then we're looking at our options for mastering and, you know, gotcha. figuring out what we want to do as far as shopping it goes. So yeah, as far as a release date, not really, but hopefully sooner than later. Gotcha. It'll, it'll be sometime this year. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, you yeah. think of like if, if, you know, the right person comes across that you're going to want to go and there's a process to get the album out. So yeah. Take a few months after somebody picks it up. So mm-hmm. what was the, what was the process like for, you know, the other records? Like when, so I'm asking for, as someone who's like finishing up a record, this is yeah. the first time I've done so. So I'm really just to educate me and anyone else who could be in this position. Like what? Okay. So the, the final day of recording is done and yeah. then okay, mastering is just done. And yeah. then what, what do you do? You know? Um, I mean, from there, you know, you put together a press kit, you know, of, you know, be it photos of your band playing or, you know, live videos, you know, stuff that your band has done, you know, maybe festivals you've played or tours, you know, you know, more known artists you've played with. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll, you know, a lot, if you're going to send it to a label, a lot of them are like, well, I don't want to download an MP3 because I don't want, you know, your stupid emo band taking up room on my computer. Right. So they're like, just, you know, put it on Spotify or not Spotify, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. make it private, send me the link. Um. So from there, I mean, you just send it to, you know, you find either, you know, sometimes they'll have like listed on their website, like for book, you know, for, you know, demo submissions, or album whatever, submissions yeah. you know, send it here. Or, you know, you just do a little bit of sleuthing and, you know, you find out, you know, who is in the A&R department at some label or who yeah. knows the person that is an A&R and you make that connection. And then, right. you know, you say, hey, like, you know, just finish this thing here. You know, will you at least listen to it? Yeah. Um, and so the last record, we um, released it with Have Fun Records um nice which which was cool um zach's awesome and is that a local i I heard the name i don't know who runs it though yeah um yeah and yeah so it it was really cool um it was good you know we got cds and tapes made and you know it was a it was a smaller release uh you know being local but yeah you know it it was cool it was cool to you know hear your band on a cassette you know when what was the label's role like what kind of role did they take um, so, I mean, we, that album, as well as this, I mean, was already recorded. You know, yeah. Everything. So it's, I mean, they basically Zach just, you know, put up money to get physicals made and, gotcha. you know, we, we bought, you know, X amount off of, you know, him to sell and then he sold the rest and gotcha. um, it was cool. You know, there wasn't like, uh, it was a pretty, pretty laxed kind of deal. You know I mean? Yeah. It, he wasn't like, you know, I want, you know ownership of your masters or you know mechanical right. royalties anything like that it's gonna be like hey fuck you right, exactly. 
So, no, it was cool. Um, and, you know, obviously for this record, we're, you know, shooting a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the the thing we're, you know, having to navigate being, you know, a younger band. It's, A, you know, how do you, you got to find a label that, you know, there's something in it for you. Right. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, you could put your record out with, I don't know epitaph i was literally just thinking right and it's like you know okay cool i mean you got that legitimacy and you're getting a bit of a exposure from that Mm -hmm. but is that it and like ultimately what's that going to do for you in the long run if they sign you to you know a five-year or three album contract and you know they're you know maybe they're not pushing your your band as much as they should Mm -hmm. then you're locked into something that isn't benefiting you right you know right so there's a lot to navigate and you know you kind of have to look at like look at their roster i would imagine Mm -hmm. and see how what they look at maybe some of the smaller bands on their roster and like look at what they've done for them and kind of like think like exactly you know yeah you could have the name recognition but exactly like i was talking to um to nick diener um Mm -hmm. when he was on the swellers they were on fueled by ramen yeah and uh he's part of the like part of what kind of led to the swellers demise overall was just like, you know, he, they felt like, I hope, I hope I'm not talking out of school, but like it's all said and done at this mm-hmm. point. Like just, they felt like the label wasn't doing as much as they could kind yeah. of thing. And like, they were literally touring 300 days a year, yeah, you know, just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. And it got to a point where they just, you know, you couldn't anymore. Yeah. I mean, Nick, is literally living the dream right now. He's yeah. got like this awesome little baby and like he's got <laughs> yeah. this basement studio in his house. Like, you know, he's not sad. That's yeah, the dream, no, you know. Really, yeah. really the dream. He's making effects pedals now too. Shit. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. They're like sweet. he he does a lot of like clones. Like he clones mm. them after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think if you just like follow on Facebook or Instagram, yeah. like Wonder Studios. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he has a separate one for the effects. Mm. But yeah, I, I told him like get into modulation, and mm. I will start buying them, dude. Exactly. Like, I don't yeah. need another fuzz, but if you start doing like an or even an octave, octave or modulation, I'm all over it. Well, I feel like that the market is also very saturated with different fuzzes and octaves, or well, yeah. fu- fuzzes and just overdrive in general. Like I feel like yeah. that there needs to be more like octave and modulation pedals coming out. Yeah, that do that do things that are more unique than like you know your your basic like boss flanger. Yeah, well, that's what I love about like old blood noise or um like earthquaker walrus audio. A lot of yeah. them are especially old blood noise, dude. A lot of them are combining like two effects mm, into yeah. one pedal. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that type of shit. Like I don't really. Only one I really have is old, uh, is the um, Black Fountain. Yeah. But even that has three different modes. But I love you know yeah. the idea that like the Alpha Haunt pedal is one where I think it's like it's a drive with an octave, but then there's different there's like a different thing that you, maybe a chorus that it yeah. adds to it or something like that. Uh-huh. But just just the idea in general of taking like, you know you're spending like two hundred dollars on something like make it something that you can only get with with that yeah piece of equipment versus going and buying you know three different pedals where you know that are a little yeah. bit more inexpensive where you know you could make those sounds it's that that's where i feel like a lot of the struggle comes in is making something unique just because there is so much right stuff now you know right so. um do you guys have any particular time that you need to be no. out of here okay sweet not at all yeah because we can just keep rolling yeah, but yeah. uh um so what was i gonna ask oh so you back to like the songwriting stuff yeah. you were talking about lyrics and then Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that sometimes you will come in with some lyrics too. So you guys with each song, is it like lyrics from 
all three of you will show up in in any given song or is it like one song is your lyrics one song is your lyrics or i, th- I think it, de- it depends you know like um uh, please don't drink that water for example topher wrote the chorus for that mm-hmm. okay. you know, like that was just that was something that he whipped out and we were just like oh man like this is great it works for it whatever but you know kind of like what josh was saying like the case of black coffee um you know i wrote all the lyrics for that one that one kind of just it that was one of the songs that just kind of came out of me um but then you got a song like Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think like there's one on the new album called yours truly that we've, mm-hmm. we've been playing live for a little bit, but I'm glad we actually have a physical recording of it. But like I wrote the first ver- verse, Josh has the second verse to it. Um, you know, I mean, so it, I think it just depends on the song, really. Like if yeah. the song is strong enough at how it was formed right off the bat, then sometimes it'll just be the way that it is. But I think when something kind of starts from scratch, um, you know, it, it depends. More likely than not, there'll be a little something from everybody. Yeah. But, you know, it, it really just depends on the song. And so you guys said that, you know, with, with the music aspect of it, it's you guys are pretty, there's no hurt feelings or anything like that. Mm-mm-mm. Do you oh. find that the same applies to lyrics or would lyrics maybe be the, I could, I would imagine lyrics be the most difficult thing to, mm, to yeah. not. Well, I mean, cause you know, argue, I mean, argue, I mean, your soul's in your lyrics, yeah. you know, like what you're writing. You're the most vulnerable with that. Exactly. Yeah. You, know? you know, I mean, I know, I know, at least for me personally, that's my struggle as a writer is that I get very self-conscious about what I write oh, completely. Yeah. Like it's sometimes it's hard for me to go and, you know, bring it forward. But that's the thing about knowing that, you know, I'm with a group of people who are there. There's no bad intentions behind mm-hmm. anything. It's like a, hey, yeah, this is great. You know, not to say that what you wrote is bad. It's just for what we're trying to go for for this. This just isn't going to work. Right. Like. I tend to think that as far as songwriting goes, like my strong suit would be lyrics and melody together, like not the two separate, but you know, like, um, but yes, I mean, you know, like I, like, for example, there's a song on this record that was pretty much done and we had a hook and everything. And I mean, I wrote the majority of it, lyrics and melody, and you know we were trying to record this hook and we were just like man i mean a it's out of our range like vocally like, we oh, just okay. cannot hit this to sound good but also it's just kind of it's good but it's meh so we were trying to figure something out and i was i was bumming a little bit because i was like shit i really like that yeah yeah um and then you know we we were kind of working on another song at the same time for something new and topher ended up whipping out the melody for that which oh. i loved and so we you know took something else that i had written intended for this song over here and put it in this song here so like i was kind of bummed that we didn't use yeah the original hook but also bummed that we stole the hook from that song because i thought it was really cool but ultimately i think it made this song even better then you got it yeah because then you just worry about the thing at hand and then just push yourself to come up with something again and we're all very conscious about what we write too like kind of like how topher was he remembered what josh had written and it was like oh yeah josh had this great riff that we could go operator yeah Yeah, operator yeah the the one that we just played yeah yeah Yeah. so like it's it's cool that like you know we we all care about what we write even if we don't end up using it it all matters at the end of the day you never know it could end up coming back and showing its face in another song yeah and nothing really was um off limits because for that like that operator course that those those lyrics were not even like set to be released yet they were actually for a for a idea for we 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 had for unreleased material yeah that we weren't even going to release yet um and i think like josh had stepped outside for a second outside of radon studios and andrew and i are staying in 
with Mark in the in the studio, and I was just, just like, kind of humming it along. Just, yeah. I'm like, like, like ooh, you I know, turned, that kind of works. And I, yeah, and I turned to him and I was like, oh, Josh is gonna hate me, but what if? <laughs> what if, if, we, if? What if we stole these lyrics from the yeah. song that hasn't been released yet? Yeah. And Josh came in and he was like, shit, <laughs> it <laughs> works. Bummed, but yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like I think it's a much better song with that. And you know, it's like for when we do revisit that song that you know that hook was originally intended for we'll do something even better for it yeah like you said i gotta uh i gotta piss real fast yeah should i pause or do you guys think you could talk and do you have something feel like you we can talk? we can talk <laughs> we can talk about something all right oh, man this will be fun yeah you're now hosts of a podcast we're not hosts <laughs> oh, of the podcast shit. i want to have a cigarette no well okay so <laughs> i can pause if you want me to uh, i don't care i was, Wait, let's, I was... Let's, let's 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 take five let's right, take five yeah. all right so is he just like the worst front man ever or what, dude? <laughs> oh, he's back. I have returned. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I feel so much better. So Chris Josh Topher. <laughs> is that right? Did, no. I get, did I get it wrong? He's <laughs> Chris and Topher. You're, oh, okay. Christopher. Chris oh, Topher. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Josh. He's Andrew. I'm Andrew. Andrew. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're not two people. <laughs> <laughs> Chris and Topher, two personalities. <laughs> yeah. So for those uh, keeping score at home, we just uh, had a nice little session on the porch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're back and raring to go. I love how like when you listen to the podcast, it just cuts for literally a second and then we're just back. Right, yeah. right, back. Our break was a millisecond. It was nothing. Yeah. But I just magically remembered the question that I was going to ask before I went to the bathroom. So we were talking about lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was curious like what were some of your favorite lyricists for each of you guys so i can kind of like see like where your influences are coming from oh man well that's often like a difficult question that's a really tough question um well so i i listen to a lot of different kinds of music but i go the first one that jumps into my head is i really enjoy cat stevens songwriting okay so when i when i wrote black coffee i was trying to be cat stevens Oh, that was my, that was my whole thing with that. So I really admire like like folk songwriting a mm-hmm. lot, which I think you know that a lot of a lot of that comes from playing bluegrass. Um, you know, I I probably I think Cat Stevens is probably my favorite songwriter. I'd say you know I mean what it, was his era? Cat Stevens is like 60s, 70s. Okay, that's what um, I was thinking. But I just I okay I, boomer man <laughs> man you know I but I admire somebody who can really make an impact with just an acoustic guitar. I think that that's like yeah. a really really powerful thing because then you you know the guitar playing's got to be good but the lyrics have really got to be there yes. and, you know like yeah i feel like that in every song cat stevens has something to say and i mean it's kind of funny considering the music that we play like yeah. you know it's, it's really loud and kind of aggressive and everything but then you know what's that once did he do cats in the cradle he did cats in the cradle okay. he did um uh, father and son that's one of my favorites uh that's the wind yeah okay. great great one the wind's cool i know that one. yeah i'd say i'd say off the top of my head cat stevens for me it's interesting i've never would have guessed that yeah, no, not not a lot That's of people cool, expect though. that I listen what I listen to, you know, like yeah, people, I don't even know what you listen to. After I, I I bounce. I've, I've been in a Gustav Holtz phase right now, listening <laughs> to like some really aggressive classical music. Aggressive classical, aggressive music. classical. But then, but then, I mean, these guys. I've been on a huge Oasis kick recently too. Oh word! Yeah, you know, like total nostalgia, but like a champagne supernova. <laughs> you know. Um, you yeah. know what I don't like is when British people say supernova. Nova. Yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. a nova, man. Or you know? fink. Like, like you wrote the language, dude. Right. Yeah, <laughs> come on now. Or saw sore. Yeah. Sore. Sore. Oh sore yeah. There. I yeah. saw it. Like I said, they they literally spelled out the words they wrote them. So right. just say them. The way. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
sorry for my British listeners. <laughs> but uh, um, what about you? Yeah. For me, I'd say it's a toss up between Isaac Brock of Modest Mouse yeah. and Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol. Here's the thing about Snow Patrol. Snow Patrol is a band that like 10, 12 years ago was huge because they put out Chasing Cars. Yeah. You know, and it was in like Grey's Anatomy and like every sad TV show. Yeah. So I feel like they're kind of like a meme band in a way because of that. Well, most people, a lot of people don't know them outside of like right. the single. Well, yeah, like, they know Chasing Cars, you but you in, could not name another Snow Patrol. Right. If you get yeah. into Deep Cut Snow Patrol, literally some of the most incredible, profound lyricism huh. I've ever This man heard. speaks the truth. I never would have thought about listening to early Snow Patrol. Well, what's like, like a it's, good record it's, it's, to get into? My favorite... I mean, it's a toss-up between Eyes Open and 100 Million Sons. Eyes Open is the one that has, like, Chasing Cars on it. And, you know, there's a... Like, that song's a lot more, like, power... Or that album's a lot more, like, power pop, I guess. Yeah. It's still really good lyricism, but it, it's a little more, like, upbeat, catchy. Um, and then 100 Million Sons is... It's a little more experimental. Um, you know, they got into some like kind of R&B stuff a little bit. They have one, there's like a 16 minute epic closer on there. <laughs> it's like three songs. It's crazy, but I love that band. I mean, Modest Mouse as well. I adore his I, song. Uh, Moon in Antarctica. Like it's really, oh, lyrically, yeah. I love that album, dude. Yeah. Broke is like probably one of my top three all time favorite songs. Word. Um, And then Green Day is my all time favorite band. Oh, really? His lyrics, his lyrical stages are really hit or miss. Yeah. Um, but and you know i mean just their music as a whole like at, over the progression of their career is really hit or miss but Dude, i adore green day when i was first playing guitar like you know the way i learned was just putting in headphones and like tabbing out but you know i'm just like ear tab different songs of bands that i loved and green day was one that like oh, I, just, yeah. I had uh international super hits mm-hmm. yeah like the, 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 the greatest hits that like yeah. pre uh, american idiot yeah and i would just learn all those songs oh yeah and just fuck around i feel I like green day it. is the reason a lot of people started playing mm-hmm. guitar yeah i mean like and it's because it, it's fun they, they, it's fun music and it's accessible as a listener and a player it doesn't take mm-hmm. much for you to like for you to feel like you're actually playing guitar yeah you know what completely, i mean completely completely oh yeah and that, well that's what's funny too is like some of their earliest material, like 80s, you know, mm-hmm. they're like 15 recording stuff. I mean, that dude can fucking shred. Yeah. And it sucks that on later stuff, he doesn't do it. Because that, I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong can absolutely shred on a guitar. Huh. So it sucks that he that. never, like, listen to some of the early stuff, like The Judge's Daughter or like, um, God, what's another like one? Like Plunk, isn't that that one album? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, something on. like Smooth Out Slappy. I, was, yeah, I have yeah. that one. Judge's Daughter is on that record. The guitar solo on that is crazy. Huh. You would not expect it to come from him. So Yeah, yeah. especially now that they have like the uh, like Jason White, I think is his name. Yeah. Like, they have like the touring guitar. Jason White's that... a good guitar player. Yeah, he's yeah. cool. Yeah. He's He like floats in and out of that band. But, yeah. Um, Green Day like just... After American Idiot, though, I just I just didn't like it anymore. Like, yeah, it wasn't that. I mean, I still like the old stuff, but mm. I just felt like it was so in your face political. Whereas yeah. before, they would like bury it in in like in the story of American yeah. Idiot. Mm. You know what I mean? They would still have political views and things like that, right. but it wasn't like the point. See, you know, what I Twenty First Century Breakdown to me is their best album. It's oh, not really? my favorite, but it's their best. I mean, lyrically, as far as like arrangement goes like they got mm. they got really experimental on that album you know so mm. i think it's their best it's not my favorite but yeah a lot of people to them like that's where green day fell off but to me like after 21st century breakdown oh, okay. they fell off 
Got you. So, and to be fair, like I never, I'm not going to say that I ever gave that album a fair shot of like, right. I've never gave it a full listen through. You should just, just yeah. give it a try. Like, I mean, it's 70 minutes of green day. Holy shit. So it's like, yeah. you know, some people can only take so much, but I, I, I really like that album. I mean, I loved like the Jesus of suburbia, oh, like yeah. the long songs. Like I thought they did them so well. Mm-hmm. It was so cool yeah. the way they did it. Oh yeah. But, um, but yeah, what about you? Well, um, I don't find myself really writing as many lyrics as these yeah. guys do. So um, the few lyrics that I that I have written for this band have actually come uh, f- uh, probably off of their own influence um, because uh, the, mm. the only time I really contributed lyrics um, after the start of the band was on the second record. So I already had an opportunity to, to like kind of hear because I wanted it to sound like, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted it to fit. Right. So I mean, when I when I wrote the hook for "Don't Drink That Water," I didn't I didn't I didn't write it with "Don't Drink That" or with that song in in mind. I was like, I remember I was like literally <laughs> sitting on my porch, just like you know, feeling off for no reason. I yeah, just, yeah. You know, wrote something down, and then I just I, I just I heard him play it, and I was like, well, wait a minute, like try this. It just like kind of worked out. Yeah, time wise you know, too. I, it sounds like. And then there was like an instance where I contributed some lyrics on this record that has yet to be released yet, but that was I mean we were it's i don't i don't really have a specific influence i draw yeah. from. that's not that's not where my influence in this band is really exerted i got you that makes sense i to think of like myself because i i love like just talking shit like that i mean this is why i have yeah. a podcast i love talking shit right. about me. <laughs> like my uh buddy asks whenever anybody asks me like my favorite lyricists like sometimes i like just i don't even know like what i really there's some that come to mind like during the headlights if you know them yeah yeah dude's a fucking genius mm-hmm. total douchebag by all accounts i guess <laughs> but um love that like just like every i love lyrics when if you just read the lyrics it it's just poetry yeah you know what i mean like it, it could actually stand alone and they would be like a considered a good poet that's the stuff like connor oberst i was, just, yeah. I was literally I mean? just thinking about connor oberst like just talk about a lyricist that can paint a picture and make you yeah. feel something in everything that they write you know max bemis back in the day i guess was yeah. like, like his real boy what's that one deer in the headlight song uh um sweet talk yeah yeah i just heard that song for the first time last year holy shit dude that is a <laughs> if you liked every single song on both of their albums is just a masterpiece like they're there's they don't have a bad song okay like uh, and they only have two records that's the only song i've heard by them actually so dude oh my god well, I, just, I, listen to the rest. I wish i was in your position because it's, <laughs> it's so good dude. yeah i like that song a lot. yeah that and that's that's hanger. not even like i mean really? i don't want to say it's it's not in their bottom half mm-hmm. of songs but it might be though because they're they're it's so strong front to back that like i wouldn't probably wouldn't put that in my top 10 Wow. favorite songs of theirs wow okay i'll check them out they're both yeah they're fucking amazing like i they're not top five bands that i wish i could have seen live because they're that good oh, yeah. um what's your number one band i wish i could have seen live <laughs> you wish you could have seen live you're number one it's really weird probably like gatsby's american dream which is like a they oh, were like a, they're like a math punk like progressive punk band interesting Fun. them are like uh forgive durden which was like another like they're like obscure like seattle like they were i'm pretty sure they're on field by ramen okay. um, gatsby's was on fearless but gatsby's was like heavily a, a ton of um like literary influences like a lot of uh commentary on the music industry and cool. it was it was very experimental like mathy punk music that's awesome and that it was just i love that band absolutely love them. the production's really just raw and just and good um the guy's got a really unique voice. That's um, awesome. Yeah. 
trying to think. I saw Van Halen one time. <laughs> trying to think awesome. of like, I was thinking of like older band, like Led Zeppelin would have been fucking dope to yeah. see. Like in their heyday, you know? My dad actually had tickets to the show the night that John Bonham died. Oh, really? He had tickets to it and he ended up sending them back for a refund and he's so pissed about it because he wishes oh, he had saved the ticket dude, stubs for yeah. that show. Damn. You know, but yeah, he was so bummed though because he, my dad is big into classic rock, you know? Yeah. That's, just, that's just what he grew up with and all that. But I remember him telling me about that, and that just had to have been one of the most disappointing things. Just because I mean, that that's, that, 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 yeah. that's 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 I wish I, I don't know if I'd say that that's like the band that I wish I could have seen live in their heyday, but like definitely Led Zeppelin would be up there. You know, I mean, Jimmy Page is a iconic guitar player, sloppy but very iconic. Yeah, or Nirvana would be amazing. Too. Oh my yeah, God. See, seeing them in their prime. Yeah, in, in the same vein, you know, like before Chris Cornell died, it would have been cool to see, see Soundgarden. Yeah, oh my dude. Gosh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know on an older note, uh, it'd be cool. It would have been cool to see Steely Dan. Oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah. that yeah. would have been so Come sick, on. dude. Oh my god! When you listen to like older records, like the Steely Dan record, that's famous. You know, it's it's known for that really interesting production. It was like groundbreaking production at the time. Yeah, and I'm basically Carl told me this stuff. Uh, you know, um, I always imagine like, okay, if this they think if you compare it to like now, and it's not great by like, you know current standards as far as production but you can just imagine like if it sounds this good on the record and it was recorded back then how good must it have been live just to see you know what i mean what's that one song i wanna be you're a sledgehammer because i've heard several people at guitar center say that that song has what's considered to be the perfect mix oh really perfect mix Who, who did that song Oh, sledgehammer! Yeah. Oh God, that's um. No, that's that's not. Is that Peter Gabriel? Sledgehammer! Oh God, no, I don't know. No. I think that's that's. Like, I think it's like a Phil Collins or like a Janet. I gotta that look song that up. Is, that's gonna that, bum me out. Yeah, that, that song is not new, and I've heard like people in the pro audio department at Guitar Center tell me that they use that song to like measure other songs for like. Oh how, really? How the bass and guitar and all and all the instruments? Because I mean, if you huh. if you hear it, you know, there's drums. There's a lot of you know, there's a bunch of vocals and then there's trumpets and there's, you know, guitar yeah. and bass and piano. I mean, synthesizer, who knows, you know? Uh, like, imagine so like God. Peter Gabriel. Okay. Peter Gabriel. Yep. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard a song by him. Oh, well, you, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, yeah. Def- you definitely have. I mean, and, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's known for his solo stuff, but yeah, he was in Genesis before with like Phil Collins and yeah. everything. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Genesis, another awesome band. Like I, their early stuff is great. Like if you're looking for like psychedelic trippy stuff, mm-hmm. like it's, they're really cool. A lot of fun. I think my my like artist I wish I could see and that I'll die being sad I never got yeah. to is Bowie. Oh yeah, yeah that'd be that'd a re- that'd be a really good so one. So my stepdad, huge Bowie fan, like mostly like the Ziggy Stardust era, yeah. which is probably my Desert Island album. But yeah, Word. he saw Bowie do like Ziggy Stardust live, and then he saw when Bowie was working with Iggy Pop a lot which I also love Iggy Pop, um, you know, and Iggy was playing in Detroit. Bowie was playing the keys. And I, I mean, oh, this sweet. is like when Bowie was already like pretty huge. Yeah. You know? But like he was just like kind of tucked in the corner, didn't make the show about himself at all. Except that yeah. It was like the coolest thing ever. Just like he was just chilling, you know, like he didn't like no one even knew it was him until like. So, you know, it's really about like the, the music. And, exactly. Like, the love of doing exactly. It, you know? It's not about the ego. Like you set that right. aside and it's it's cool when like a front man can do that. In yeah. A band. Even if you, like, Bo- yeah. Like, I was going to say, even if you like, like, yeah, you, you listen to uh, after he died, I, you know, I was never like into Bowie very much, mm. but just because I never really tried to expose myself to it. But after he died, I was just like watching interviews with him and like 
interviews from the Iggy, the Ziggy Stardust era where he's like talking about this you know elaborate you know mm-hmm. flamboyant character that he created like from you know at first glance you might be able to assume that maybe this guy's got a big ego or yeah. that he's just like really drawing, trying to draw attention to himself but like the, the way he talks about it was it's just, just so so much about art mm-hmm. and not it was like it was very deliberate like all these yeah. choices he was making it was very just like yeah. i was like wow that's really really cool to me that is a perfect record i mean all, as far as a concept album goes yeah i mean it you it's know you got album. that i mean also just like when i first heard that album in full my stepdad was like when do you think this record came out i was like i don't know like it sounds like it could have come out and i was like 12 i was like this sounds yeah. like this could have come out in the last 10 years he was like no this is from the 70s like yeah. it's, it's just that timeless you know like yeah. i adore adore him like another one uh you ever listen to pet sounds by beach boys oh yeah yeah that's that's one like i wish that they could fully remix it because it's it's in mono like they have stereo mixes of it but like if you took those songs and like re-recorded them today Mm -hmm. the quality oh man yeah dude like and it's especially like the the elaborate mixes that the guy would have like there's this documentary about it where he's basically i think borderline schizophrenic yeah and like he's just in the studio just like running around like i think he maybe originated like the phrase like my instrument is the recording studio, yeah exactly you know which is i would love to have studio one day and learn how to use all that shit mm. it's like when you okay so this i'm tangent speaking but it led me to a question in my head so like when you guys are in the studio do are you guys like fluent in the use of the like the equipment at all or do you kind of just like know your instruments or you know do you have like technique two studio techniques that you like to use or is it just kind of like whatever the producer says it honestly with the recording style of things like it's pretty foreign to me you know like yeah. i have a little bit of knowledge of like you know how to throw tracks and stuff but as far as like you know the right way to mix things mm-hmm. i'm not super familiar with it it was cool going into recording in you know in, in a radon studios and with recording two albums before this so i had a little bit of an idea of the terminology and everything yeah but other than that i mean i'm, I'm guitar oriented i mean i'm not classically trained yeah. even in that like I, I just i taught myself how to do that so yeah as far as studio stuff for me it kind of goes over my head i know yeah. I, I know what i like for sound wise i know I, I like big guitars you know yeah but, i mean other than that you know yeah i mean i kind of go into it saying like all right i know that i you know, for like a rhythm, you know, guitar section, I like the sound of like a Les Paul because, you know, it's fat, you know, Chunky, it's thick yeah. and it's just present. And then, you know, I'll, we didn't even use a Les Paul on this one, but, you know, it's like I'll tell that to the engineer and say, you know, I, I want to get like this kind of tone or, you know, I want to do like some sort of like flange here. And yeah. then I kind of let them guide me on how to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Working with Mark was was really nice because Mark wants a really clean mix. He wants everything to sound good. I mean, you yeah. know, he, um, a lot of a lot of bands in similar veins to our band, mm-hmm. they kind of thrive on that um, on that little more raw, unrefined sound. Yeah, um, which is totally fine. Um, it works for it works for them, you know. And if that's the sound they're going for, totally cool. Right. Um, but when you have you know people who who have like particular guitar tones that they mm-hmm. that they have crafted and kind of use it use their tones to help like help us stand out a little bit um you know then then you know it, it probably becomes a little more particular as as far as i'm concerned there are so many com- components to my instrument that i'm a little more whole mix oriented so yeah 
when I go into this into the studio, I want you know all my symbols to be heard, all my toms to be clear, but also um, I I want you know like my drums to sit well within everything else you know yeah so i mean you know i want the bass to to sit well you know and i don't know i i i kind of i kind of try to take a little bit more of a, of a full mix approach to yeah it. yeah that makes sense i me in the studio is like this the most ass backwards like <laughs> stressful like future records are not going to make this way but like this one i just based on like how the lineup shifted around and just like the way the songs were written and like i would the first thing i recorded in the studio were guitars Mm -hmm. (laughs) which like makes no sense like i recorded one guitar part like the main guitar part and then i took it that back to noah to record drums at a different studio and so he recorded them and then from there on those are the only two things that are really written and then like the vocal melodies but those get change so much because i do them last Mm -hmm. and then like every couple months i'll go in the studio for just like two days and then i'll just do a little bit and basically i'll just write i'll i'll know like which songs i want to work on and like kind of which instrument but i don't have parts written Mm -hmm. i just kind of like whatever happens there based on the equipment that's there like i'll kind of know like all right i kind of want this tone you know what i mean i think maybe use this pedal but like you know nick is really patient with me because sometimes i just I don't know what I want to play. I'm like, yeah, just run this, just loop this part for a few minutes and I'll just figure it out. And I really like doing, I like doing things that way, but it's just so time consuming. I mean, I can do it because it's just me doing it. Yeah. I don't have like anybody else that's really, you know, you know, waiting to get in and do their parts. Like once I get the drums done, but yeah, it was just, it's really just haphazard. I think Like, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that approach to anybody. Um, one, one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about is uh, so your live show. Mm-hmm. Get to see you live in two weeks. We're playing oh, a show yeah. together. Um, mm-hmm. But like, are there any, what are like the characteristics that you like want to define your live show? Like, was there a particular like approach, like energy wise or? I, th- um, I showed a, I showed a video to Andrew earlier on Instagram. Um, basically, this drummer on a drum educational website. Uh, I was it was it was a little clip, but he was he was talking about um, how the how the energy and the cohesion that's created between artists on stage who all agree that they're you know on the on the on the music that they're making mm-hmm. and, and how it can translate to the audience. So I mean, when when you got three you know three four or five people up on stage who you know they're all looking at each other like you know nodding like yeah no this is something that we all believe in like this is a mm. cool sound we all like what we're doing what we're doing here you don't even you know you don't even have to go out of your way too much to have it translate to the audience the audience yeah. can see you guys having a good yeah. time um you know knees ways deep in your in your music yeah. you know and so you know ultimately ultimately like I, I really feel like you know and it's different for every for every band but at least at least my perspective on on our band um we you know it's a little bit more about the the music you know and we're yeah. we're there to provide the music for for people to you know and enjoy and yeah we enjoy playing the music so it's like it's just a win-win and yeah that way. there's um there's a guy on youtube i really like his stuff named uh adam neely um and he's like a lot of his stuff you know he talks about you know the music industry or like theory stuff like that and he made this video um, about Christian contemporary music. Yeah. Um, and in it, he talks about how he uses music as like the word as, um, 
like an adjective rather than a noun. Hmm. You know, he's like, you know, like, you know, when you're listening to music, like the act of doing so is musicking, you know? Hmm. And so, you know, the way you would music listening to a recording is different than the way you would music, you know, seeing that same song played live. Yeah. And, you know, that provides a completely different experience. And so I feel like with that, we, you know, obviously, like, there's things that you can do on a record that you can't do live. Yeah. And so we, I feel like in our, in our live set, you know, we want the stuff to be its own, you know, as opposed to what you're hearing on a record. And, um, you know, we want it to be tight and energetic and theatrical in a sense, but also, you know, to someone who they've only heard us recorded right there if it's their first time seeing us live it's like coming in with fresh ears yeah yeah like i always imagine myself being way more like before a show like leading up to a show i always like try to psych myself up and tell myself i'm gonna be like way more energetic and then like once the music actually kicks in and i settle in like i just i'm just not you know what i mean like i'm so engulfed in the music yeah instrument yeah and it's just like i gotta just you know realize like what what my experience is playing music naturally and it's like if i were to do anything other than like what i do like you know there's no sense in like going crazy for the sake of it i feel like Mm. if the music doesn't call for it like some bands like you know it lends itself to maybe have like a band meeting before the show like all right we're gonna fucking send it you know what i mean they're just like strumming really hard on chords all the time you know what i mean like certain you know music musical styles lend itself to that but like for what i do it's it's just like i it's weird like i imagine myself going nuts but then like it once i start playing like this doesn't make sense like if i were to start going crazy right now i wouldn't like people would be like why is he doing (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean i feel like it would just come across as like disingenuous Mm -hmm. um yeah i kind of need to wrap up because i got to get some work done before i go to bed but yeah yeah, dude this is good yeah this was really fun thank you for having me yeah um do you want to just like let people know where oh one thing i want to tell you before we're done yeah your guys's band name sounds like i was thinking of like what what it was mm-hmm. you know what i mean because it's like a, it's a strange phrase yeah and i got a really funny fortune cookie <laughs> and that was just like grammatically like incorrect yeah and i thought your guys's band name sounded like it could be like on a fortune cookie like That's you rest fine. you do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i'll take that i can i can tell you real quick um, yeah it comes from a tombstone um in a cemetery near moody where we live. It's at uh, Franklin, Michigan. Yeah, it's someone. There's literally a tombstone, and just in the bottom left-hand corner is carved, you rest, comma, you joy life. And when we were trying to figure out band names, I had a picture of it. and From I, a long time ago, too. Yeah, you had that yeah. for a minute. Years. And yeah. I sent that picture because I was like, oh, this could be like cool. It's like an album. And then our bass player at the time was like, that should just be the band name. And it's it's cool, dude. Yeah. I really like it. It, it sticks out, the, for sure. I had to tell you the fortune cookie. Ancient sights beckon you to hit the road soon. <laughs> Man, go on tour. That's the yeah. album name. <laughs> Ancient sights, dude. Ancient, <laughs> beckon you. Yes. Yeah, so I just thought that was well. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool. Now yeah. that you say that, I think Spencer mentioned that to me. Yeah. But I yeah. couldn't remember what it was. But uh yeah, if you want to let people know like where to find you online, where to find your records, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. Um, our record is hopefully coming out soon, but in the meantime, we got two records up for you to listen to and we're uh 
We're playing with Pursuer soon, so we'll yeah. see you on the Hell 21st. Yes. Do you have a name for the new record yet? Maybe? You don't have to, like, reveal it now if you don't want to. We, there, There is a tentative name for it. There's a there's two tentative names, I guess. And so we, I, guess, I guess we wouldn't say it yet, though? Yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, You'll then, find out. Word. You'll find out. There'll be, there will be an album with a name that you will hear. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. Yeah, March 21st uh, at New Way Bar in Ferndale. Uh, my band Pursuer, and then You Rest, and then, like, fucking 19 other bands. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a, a long one. Yeah, it'll be fun. Come early. It's a free show, though. I mean, like, yeah. come out, enjoy the music. All right, oh, yeah. thanks, gents.